After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. That's Red Circle, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, also Spotify, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, and turn the notifications on. Also, check out Off the Floor. That's where you get texts directly to your phone from the hosts of Five on the Floor, Bypass Twitter, X, and everything else. Get insider Q&As, prize picks, contests, and more. It's at Winnow. That's with two N's, winnow.app, backslash off the floor. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. I mentioned prize picks, our fantasy partner. Use that code 5FIVE. Get that initial deposit matched up to $100. It is legal in the state of Florida. Also legal in the state of Florida, our gambling partner, Better Edge. Use the code 5RSN there. That's 5RSN. You get $20 to play. The great thing about Better Edge is it's based here in the United States. You get paid right away. You can find the line you want. So for betteredge.com, use the code 5RSN. For prize picks, use the code 5. Before we get to today's episode, a brief explainer. We actually do a lot of stuff now on our playback channel. You can find that at playback.tv backslash 5RSN. We had a two-hour session on Monday night, but the first 30 minutes were just me talking. Wanted to give a State of Dame update, everything that I've heard. And so we put it out there for you. Alex Toledo did the production magic. And now here is me, today's episode. Five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buck said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks to Eternal. Thanks to Greg. Thanks to Brian. Get the hell out of here. Appreciate cool. it. We out. See you in a second. All right. So uh, we're going to go through this a little bit. And what I wanted to do today is just kind of give you a state of play and where things stand because there's been a lot of stuff out there for most of you 75 percent of this will be uh let's turn off the volume on that and uh we'll go from there if you guys need to turn down the volume on the stream you can uh it should be on the bottom left side if you're on desktop and you can find it up top if you're on the app we appreciate everybody joining so as i was saying about 75 percent of this uh 75 percent of you will probably already know but what I'm going to give you today is the Heat's perspective um, on this. I know that there was a report today from Shams that Dame would not report uh, unless it was Miami or Portland and that he might actually ask for a trade if he's traded somewhere else. I can't speak to Dame. One of the things I try not to do is speak about things when I don't have direct reporting about it. I certainly trust Shams' reporting. I trust Mark Spears' reporting. I trust Chris Haynes' reporting probably more than I trust anybody else's reporting nationally on this. Add Sam Amick to that. Uh, but I don't want to speak on Dame's perspective because I haven't spoken to Dame and I haven't spoken to enough people close to Dame to be able to say what he's thinking. And I also can't speak specifically to what Portland is thinking, except from the perspective of the Miami Heat. I'm trying to present 
the perspective of the Heat, I think if you followed me, uh, the rest of Five Reasons, and also I would say Barry Jackson in particular throughout this process, I would just say this. Uh, after my conversations over the weekend with some Heat officials, including high-ranking Heat officials, uh, if you've been following Barry and following us throughout this process, you have been led correctly the entire way. Um, there's nothing that I heard that was inconsistent with the way that we've portrayed it or with the way that Barry has portrayed it locally. But I just want to start here because Barry has touched on some of this and I'm going to try to go through this part by part and then we'll bring on uh, the others who are here. Um, and again, we'll just have some Dame video in the background, uh, I guess, to get you excited about his possible arrival at some point. We had been talking a lot. On, I'm going to start with the process here and where it stands. We have been talking a lot on five on the floor about when this would get done. I believe that it was going to get done at Summer League in Las Vegas because, honestly, the Heat believed it was going to get done in Summer League in Las Vegas. Uh, they obviously had a strong interest in Dame Lillard. There's no surprise there. Their superstars wanted – their stars on their team or superstars wanted them to get Dame Lillard. They were obviously going to do the due diligence on that. Uh, they started to try to communicate with the Blazers regarding this. One of the things that's been problematic during this process – is that the Miami Heat have one voice. They speak with one voice. That's the organization that they've been for a long time. They may disagree about things behind the scenes, but they don't present that disagreement publicly. That's one of the things that's made them great during the Pat Riley era. It is basically Pat on down. And everybody knows that uh, they're going to come out with a single perspective, and then whoever's communicating with the other teams is going to present that perspective. You don't have a concern when you negotiate with the Miami Heat that someone who is going to be speaking to another general manager and then come back and say, well, I can't do that because this person said I can't do that. That's just simply not what happens with the Heat. They're, they're going to present one voice. You know who those voices are in the Heat front office. They've been there for a long time, whether obviously it's the Arisons at the top, but then also, uh, you know, Pat Riley, Andy Ellisberg, Adam Simon, et cetera, and right down the line. They communicated with the Heat at Summer League um, and basically – they were looking for some kind of a roadmap from Portland. Tell us what we, sh we can give you. How do we make this work? The Blazers made it very clear they would not present any kind of a roadmap. The way that this has been described to me is that this is kind of like a divorce where one side realizes it's done and the other side hasn't come to that conclusion or does not want to accept that conclusion. The Blazers, in this case, are the party that doesn't seem to want to accept that conclusion. Uh, Dame, Dame obviously finally accepted it after 11 years, that it was time to move on. The Blazers seem to have emotional issues with that particular thing. Whether they're trying to convince Dame to stay, ultimately, um, is something that, again, the Heat aren't even clear about. And I want to make that clear. When we have talked about our confusion on five on the floor, about where Portland is, the Heat had the same confusion about that. They don't really understand what it is that the Blazers are trying to accomplish here. We've made the case, and I can tell you that members of the Heat front office have listened to our podcast and haven't disagreed with us on this. We've made the case that it does not make sense for the Portland Trailblazers to bring Dame Lillard to camp because if they bring Dame Lillard to camp, not that he's going to be acting like James Harden or anything, but they're bringing someone unhappy to their camp with a group of young players who they should be pivoting as a normal NBA organization to build around a bunch of young guards 
whose playing time and whose shine is going to be taken away by a guy who does not want to be there anymore and does not fit their timeline. Everything you've been thinking about the Blazers acting irrational about this, I can tell you that same perspective is shared at 601 Biscayne Boulevard. But you don't really know what to do with that when you're not dealing with a rational actor on the other side. I can tell you that the people I've spoken to in the Heat organization do not believe it makes sense for Dame to necessarily sit out from training camp because then the NBA is likely going to get involved and that's going to complicate the issue. But they don't really understand where the Blazers are. They don't get what they want, first with Dame, with their own organization, and then also from the Miami Heat. The belief in the Heat organization is that Dame Lillard will not be with the Blazers come the trade deadline, February 9th. But when it happens before that, they don't know because they don't think the Blazers know at this stage. Uh, so that's the big piece of this is that essentially they went to the Blazers after, uh, after uh, Summer League. And when they were not presented with a roadmap, the Heat's decision at that point, and I think Barry has telegraphed this well as well, is that we're not going to devalue our own players. We're not going to pitch a bunch of our guys to you. And this is why when you hear about offers that are out there and people speculating about offers, I don't believe that the Heat have made those kind of offers because they don't want to devalue their own guys. When you start putting your guys out in the space and talking about this one or Jovic or Hakes or Hero or any of them, uh, then essentially it lowers their value. It makes it seem like you're trying to move them. That's the way that it's perceived. They do not want to be bidding against themselves. They don't want to be devaluing their own guys. And so they essentially decided to stop talking too. Like there's been a lot of conversation that, that the Blazers won't engage with the Heat. Well, the Heat weren't going to engage with the Blazers to basically do, you know, I mean, there are terms I could use for this, but essentially they'd be playing with themselves. I mean, there's, it does not make any sense for them to continue to negotiate with a team that, that, that will not tell you what they want. If you've ever tried to get someone that you are with to try to go to dinner and they don't tell you where they want to go, it gets very frustrating after a little while. And eventually, again, uh, you're going to end up the even one in hot water. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and I'm going to get to Tyler Hero in a second. We have done podcasts about teams that could get involved in this, okay? I can tell you that the names that we've mentioned about those teams are very consistent with the ones that the Heat would be mildly worried about. But they, like us, don't think any of these make particular sense on their own merits. All of the teams that we've put out there and a couple others that they threw out there to me either have, A, a lead guard for whom Dame Lillard would be duplicative, okay? They are not on the same timeline as the Heat in terms of contention. They may not have ownership that's willing to take $63 million at the end of the contract. And essentially, uh, a lot of them, and I know this is going to sound crazy to the New York and Boston media, who obviously are rooting against this particular trade, and the Heat realize that, by the way. They know that, as has been described to me by one official, Bill Simmons and his cabal, they know, okay, that Boston and New York is, that, which is what the NBA media is essentially run by, they're always going to take an anti-heat perspective. That's been the case for years. They're aware of it. When people say the Five Reasons Act's persecuted, the heat feel the same way about the way that the national media, and I have made the case that one of the reasons that that is is because the heat don't leak to them. So they don't really understand how the heat operate and they don't understand how a one voice organization operates. And so, and they also don't get favors from the heat 
So essentially, they will take a perspective that is anti-heat most of the time because there's no benefit to them to taking the pro-heat perspective, unlike the benefit of, say, taking a pro-blazers perspective, which certain national reporters may have done because they have a relationship with someone in that front office. So anyway, to continue, the teams that could get involved, we've talked about some of them. Philadelphia is one uh, that we've discussed as a wild card, particularly the Harden situation. Boston and Milwaukee, could these teams get desperate enough, since they seem to be at the top of the East, to make a move? Uh, other teams in the East, we really have difficulty coming up with one. Brooklyn is one that was discussed, but that seemed more about hero than it does seem about actually getting in on Dame. And then in the Western Conference, there are some teams that are in different stages of development. But the teams that we've thrown out there, and one other that, that was thrown out to me by someone in the Heat, which is Utah, does it make sense for any of those teams that have a ton of draft picks coming up? O OKC, the Pelicans, Utah essentially own the draft for the next seven years. Does it make any sense for any of those teams to get involved and accelerate their timeline to such a degree, particularly if you have a player who's ball dominant like, say, OKC has in Shea? Does it make any sense to make a trade to accelerate the timeline when Dame Lillard is going to be 35, 36 years old by the time these guys are ready to win and you're going to be paying him 60-something million dollars? Do you blow up your entire blueprint if you're Utah or, or OKC in particular? I've mentioned New Orleans as a possibility uh, because they do have a player in Brandon Ingram. Perhaps you could try to get Dame to come there and he would play with CJ again. You still, you know, maybe you could resurrect things with Zion and, and keep him happy in New Orleans. But again, just as we've kind of had to squint our eyes to find a team, so have the Heat. But what it seems like to the Heat is that they are that the Blazers are waiting for what happened with Durant, which is that there was not really the market for Durant in the offseason for the Nets. But then all of a sudden, Phoenix changed ownership and Mikkel Bridges, who was not available previously, became available. And that ended up getting the deal done with Phoenix. So if you're Portland, are you betting on the idea that, A, there's going to be some change with some organization that puts them in a position where they want to make a move? Or let's just say in Milwaukee, Drew Holiday sprains an ankle and is going to be out for several weeks. And all of a sudden, there's a need for that kind of player like Dame Lillard to keep Giannis happy so that you can keep Giannis into the future. These are the bets that the Heat think Portland is making, but again, they can't really say what Portland is thinking because Portland has been so vague about what they actually want. And when I get to the voices perspective, again, they don't know really who is going to be ultimately making that decision. Okay. Now, to, to just to go forward on this, the one thing that I can tell you has irritated the Heat during this process more than anything else is the perception of Tyler Hero. And that perception is, and the first thing I can tell you, okay, and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, that there seemed to be a bet made that Tyler and, and others were going to be a problem in Heat training camp. I can tell you, the Heat are not the slightest bit concerned about that. Uh, they know what they have in their head coach. They know what they have in the character of these players. They know how motivated Tyler is going to be. And they have been in communication with Tyler and his camp throughout. They know that Tyler wants to stay in Miami still after all of this. So if you hear anything different, that is simply untrue. Okay. Their attitude about this, though, is they do not understand how Tyler Hero got devalued as a player and as an asset, both by the Blazers 
Okay, because there's a lack of understanding about why the Blazers wouldn't have any interest in a player like that, even though they have an overcrowded young backcourt. Because if they just got Tyler Hero, they might move one of their other guys ultimately or be able to move Tyler as an asset. But beyond that, they don't really understand how Tyler got devalued as an asset nationally with the media, where suddenly he's some shitty player, frankly. Um, <laughs> when you're talking about a guy who at age 23, which, by the way, is the same age as Jaime Hawkins, okay, at this stage, who has not played an NBA game, at age 23, Tyler Hero is a guy who you can project to get you 21 points, four or five rebounds, and four or five assists this year on reasonably good efficiency in the high 30s from three-point percentage. They do not understand how this is suddenly a bad player, which is the way that he's been perceived, not just in social media, but also with prominent NBA media. Uh, Mark Spears has been an outlier on that, where he's been pushing that Tyler is actually a very good basketball player. But a lot of the national media, again, particularly the Boston-based national media, has been pushing that perspective. They do not understand it, and I can tell you that's the one part of this that irritates them. Not just because, again, if you're trying to make a trade, you want your assets to be at the highest value, but also they like and value Tyler, and they really don't understand how it got to that particular point. So essentially, where is it now? I know that there were reports, and I have some other things to get to here, but I know that there were some reports, again, about two weeks before camp and something along those lines. Again, I've that's been my suspicion all along from talking to people, sort of what the Heat expect. But you are not dealing with, you know, a rational situation on the other side at this stage. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, you are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, and so there's no way to know if they bring him to camp. And so people are going to ask me here, do you think it gets done? I believe ultimately it'll get done because that the, it should get done. It should get done because it makes sense for both sides to get it done, particularly, in my view, Portland. And I'll get to why it's not as necessary for the Heat right now as I think it is for Portland. But again, you're counting on somebody else's actions right now who you don't have control over. So I can't tell you if it's going to happen before training camp, 
or if it's going to happen a day before the season like Alonzo Mourning did, or if it's going to happen sometime before February 9th, which is, again, what the Heat expect to be sort of the drop-dead date on this, which is the trade deadline, I believe. But I do believe ultimately it will get happened because it makes too much sense for it to happen, and there doesn't seem to be another team out there that can get involved. Now, as far as where the Heat are right now with their roster, they like their team. Now, I, I know that that's going to freak Heat fans out because they hear that, and they're like, oh, God, okay, we're running it back again, right? It's not that they're planning on running it back. They, they think it's a different team than they've had last year. They're younger, they're deeper, and they've essentially constructed, in their view, two different teams. They have one team with Dame, and they have one team without Dame. But they have versatility now and youth so that they can pretty much go either direction, depending on what ultimately happens here with this trade. They're, the roster and the rotation – there's been a lot of concern, and I know there was a report about Kelly Oubre today that he's likely coming to Miami. I think Mark Stein reported that. We've talked about Oubre. We also talked about Wood. One thing that was has been said to me consistently about this is that Heat fans and observers sometimes forget what some of their young players were before. And by this, I mean, this is what I mean. The Heat have three two-way spots up for grabs right now, even though they have players signed to those spots. And they have two roster spots available. They could fill them with veterans. They could fill them with Ubre and Dragic right now and just call it a day, okay? And that's what they could do. But they caution everybody to look back and say, okay, you don't know what, say, a Jamal Kane is going to become or Orlando Robbins has been signed to the active roster or some of the other young players that they have or Highsmith, et cetera or Bouye, or Drew Smith, or, or any of the other players we've talked about. But if you go back two, three years, you didn't know what Max Drews was going to be. You didn't know what Gabe Vincent was going to be. Prior to that, you know what Tyler Johnson was going to be. Uh, Hassan Whiteside was kind of signed off the street. But all these guys that they've developed through the program developed into roles because they had a chance to compete in the Heat system that were way above what were projected for them immediately. And you look at Struess and Vincent, I mean, when Gabe came in and was shooting 12 shots in a game because they had no other players, I think they were playing against the Clippers that night. Nobody projected that in a few years Gabe Vincent was going to be signed to essentially be the starting point guard uh, for the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, making what he's making right now, or that Max Struess was going to be a $63 million player and projected as a starter in Cleveland after starting in two conference finals and an NBA finals. And so what was, has been said to me repeatedly was, don't forget what those players were. We're not just going to fill those roster spots and block the path for some of these young players to develop into the types of players that others have before. And this point was made to me, and this is actually verifiable, okay? When they have signed the veteran guy off the street that everybody wants him to sign, it's his tip. that player has typically not worked out for them as well as the player that they have scouted put into their system. Now we talk about Cole Swider, others put into their system, taken from some other summer league team that they have identified with a particular skill that they think that they can build over their course of time with the heat. Now the heat have gotten much better about letting those guys go afterwards and developing some, but they believe they can continue to develop those type of players and they would rather have the spots open. So I do believe they will go to training camp with fewer. Uh, they will go with the full roster, but I don't know that they will necessarily break camp with a full 18, uh, when you talk about the 15 spots and the three two ways, 
I think they're going to be flexible. Uh, if the damn trade is not made, or even if it is made, there'll be more opportunities for guys. I think it's more likely that they will bring in veterans if they do get Dame. But I could absolutely see them giving opportunities for young players to compete. What they look for in their young players that compete for these spots is players who are complementary to their two best players, Jimmy and Bam. They are not necessarily looking for the player with the highest upside. They are looking for the player who is complementary, and then they try to develop the skill set from that. Because they want a guy who can step in, and you don't miss a beat when that is there, whether they're filling in in the back end of the rotation. That applies to their two point guard candidates right now, Bouye and Drew Smith. And I know that there's an issue about the point guard position. We covered it on a podcast. Bouye may have higher upside than Drew Smith, but he's inconsistent. Uh, they need him to be more consistent. Drew Smith kind of makes the right play most of the time. He may end up being the guy who sticks or somebody else like him who sticks because they need somebody to plug in in case, say, if they still have Kyle Lowry on the roster, Kyle Lowry is unavailable for a period of time because they're monitoring his minutes. I want to get to the rotation, too, related to that, and then I'll get to sort of an overview on this, okay, and sort of cycle back. With the current team, we, we talked about this on one of the podcasts, or I mentioned it, and then I think Brady and Greg handled it. Um, the way they see their team right now, here is a possible, it's not definite, training camp still has to happen, Eric Spolster may get other ideas, but a possible rotation right now, and I believe, again, this team is deeper as it is than it was when they went to training camp last year. Projected starting lineup, Bam, Love, Butler, Hero, Josh Richardson. You can put them at either position. It means they will go without a natural point guard in the starting lineup. Why? Because Eric Spolster most likely – because he views Kyle Lowry much the way he did towards Dwayne Wade towards the end, is going to use Kyle Lowry off the bench and in some closing situations to set up the offense. And again, try to manage him throughout the season so that he can be effective. Again, this is if Kyle is still here. If the team is as currently constituted, then your bench, your core bench, would essentially be Lowry, Robinson, Martin. Not necessarily in that order, but those would be the three players that would get the lion's share of the minutes. Then your ninth man becomes a competition between Thomas Bryant and Orlando Robinson to be the backup big. And then the tenth man, at least at the start of the season, appears to be, again, in talking to Heat officials, a competition between the two young guys, Jovich and Hakez and Highsmith, depending on what Spolster may need at that time or what players may be nursed, may sit. You take a look at a guy like Jimmy Butler. Hawkes can replicate a little bit of that skill set. Maybe if Jimmy misses time, Hawkes fills in. Haywood Highsmith can replicate some of the things that Caleb does. Also, obviously, he's going to be a situational player defensively. Uh, and then you take a look at, at Jovic, who they're really grooming sort of, you know, I think Kevin Love, and you saw Kevin Love tweet about Jovic. They would like to see Kevin mentor Jovic, and ultimately Jovic ascend into more of that role. That's 12 guys. That's a deeper team than they had last year. That's before you get to the two ways, what Bouye could be, Drew Smith could be, Jamal Kane could be, et cetera. So you look at that. We talk about the names, Christian Wood, freaking out about Christian Wood going somewhere else. Would Christian Wood have played heavy minutes with this particular group? No. Ubre, I don't know. It, it, it sort of depends. Dragic, that's more of kind of a feel-good thing, and you know obviously that Goran's going to accept whatever minutes he has. If a bunch of players went out in a Dame trade, then you might see them try to bring in more veterans. But here's something that was said to me about the veterans. The list is the list. We've been staring at the damn list for three months. It hasn't changed. If any of these players on this list, whether it's Christian Wood or Kelly Uber, were that desirable to other teams or to the Heat, it would have been done already. They know what the list is. Somebody on the list. The goal here is to try to win a champion. The reason for going for Dame Lillard 
is because he's a player who can get you over the top and beat the team that comes out of the West. The Heat feel very comfortable right now. The Heat feel very comfortable right now with where they sit in the league because they don't think that there's a great team out there. And I will tell you, I was told the exact same thing last year in training camp, that there were 10 to 12 good teams. The Heat believed that they were one of them, that they could compete. And you know what? I know they were close to the edge, as close as you could possibly get, three minutes from losing in the play-in and not even advancing to the playoffs. But ultimately, they were right. They were right. They did get to the finals. They did beat Milwaukee. They did beat Boston. They didn't feel any of those teams were insurmountable. And they feel the same way this time. It's been pointed out to me, and I would agree with this. No team in the league got much better. The whole league, except Houston. Nobody's concerned about Houston this year. You look at the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee, the same. Boston, different, but better? Not sure. Philadelphia, dealing with a bit of a mess there. The other teams that were kind of in the middle, Brooklyn didn't significantly upgrade. The Knicks added DiVincenzo, didn't significantly upgrade. Atlanta maybe got a little bit worse. Toronto doesn't seem to have a direction. Chicago didn't do anything to upgrade, and now they know they don't have Lonzo Ball for the entire season. So you look at the teams that were ahead, and this is why it's kind of comical to the Heat when national reporters come out and say that the Heat look like a play-in team, like the 10th seed, and you're kind of like, okay, wait a second. We were seventh last year. We had the most man games missed to injury. We made the finals. We're getting Tyler Hero back, even if we don't make a Dame trade. How did we drop from the seventh seed to the 10th seed when nobody in the East got any better? And then you look at the West. You can make an argument that Phoenix got better, although you have to see how the pieces fit and how much Aiton cares, et cetera. But the rest of the West, Memphis, okay, Marcus Smart, yes, but you don't know how you're dealing with the Moran situation. The Clippers, are they ever going to be healthy? I mean, nothing's really changed there. The Lakers are the same team pretty much they were at the end of last year when they were better, but I wouldn't call them a great team at this stage of AD and LeBron's careers. And then you look at the rest of it, yeah, some interesting teams. Sacramento, they were the healthiest team in the NBA last year. Are they going to replicate that? New Orleans, we talk about there's talent there, but have they put it? Are they going to be able to put it together? Golden State, yes, but there's some age on that roster now. They pivoted with Chris Paul to to more of that. Uh, so you're talking about a lot of good teams, but no great teams. So the Heat believe, and this is where I'm going to tie all this up with Damon. I do think we should bring other guys on here. The Heat look at it like this: they are not desperate. It doesn't mean they don't want Dame. They understand he's a top 75 player, and to pivot back on that. The case that the point they've made to Tyler over this period of time is it's not like we're like dangling you for just anybody. You've been talked about in trades for two players, Kevin Durant and Dame Lillard, <laughs> arguably a top 20 player of all time in Kevin Durant and a top 75 player and probably better than that in Dame Lillard. That's it. All these other things where we've talked about Tyler being out there. No, that's teams calling about Tyler. They did not dangle Tyler for James Harden. They did not dangle Tyler for Donovan Mitchell. Okay. And even if they had, you're still talking about two elite players, even though people know I'm not a huge fan of Harden. They didn't haven't dangled Tyler. And the way that this works is teams always go after the third guy. They don't ask you for one of your two best players. And one, unless you're one of your two best players is disgruntled. Bam is not disgruntled. Jimmy is not disgruntled, right? Who are they going to ask for? Tyler. Who have the Heat always traded? Who has Pat Riley always traded to make his team better? The third best player. Done it consistently throughout the years, whether it was Jamal Mashburn or one stage Eddie Jones. He, he trades the third best player to try to upgrade his overall roster. 
who was it that other teams were calling about during the big three era? Chris Bosh. Because they knew that he weren't trading LeBron. They weren't going to trade Dwayne. So they would ask about Bosh. Teams have asked about Tyler Hero because he has value. And that's why some of these reports, like the one that came out early on about how Brooklyn would need a pick attached to take Tyler Hero, are just laughable, comical, and shouldn't have never been reported. So that's where that's at. And that's how they feel about it, too. So they are perfectly fine bringing Tyler Hero back to camp, putting the ball in his hands, and letting him show the growth and improvement that he's been working on all summer. They are not desperate. They are not desperate. And so it does not mean, again, that they don't want to do something because they have a rare opportunity to add a player who is elite. But as even they say, even the Heat, who are pursuing Dame Lillard, say, they go through this list of great players that they've acquired through the years. And it's a very long list. They know what they're doing about this sort of shit. Okay? Jimmy Butler was not Dame Lillard's age when they acquired him. Shaquille O'Neal was not Dame Lillard's age. He was close, but he wasn't quite there when they acquired him. LeBron James was 25. Alonzo Mourning was 25. Chris Bosh was 27. Even Tim Hardaway, who they got at a discount bin because he was third string in Golden State playing behind B.J. Armstrong, was not Dame's age and was not Dame's cost or percentage of salary cap. So the Heat are very well aware that there's a limited market for Dame Lillard. They just happen to be in a position where they are about championships, and particularly they're about delivering a championship in Jimmy Butler's window and Pat Riley's window running the organization. And so that's why they are engaged in this. But it does not mean that a whole bunch of other teams are suddenly going to get engaged in this. There is not that kind of market for a player who's going to be 36, 37 years old making $63 million, who has had some health issues, although not recently, not recently, not since the abdominal situation. And last year, again, if anybody forgets, he was shut down, not because he was hurt, but because Portland wanted to soft tank for the best possible lottery pick. And they were supposed to use that lottery pick to help Dame Lillard compete. And instead, they drafted a player at his position. So that's why the Heat don't really understand what Portland is doing any more than you don't understand what Portland is doing. The Heat's belief is that ultimately the end has come for Dame in Portland. It's a matter of time. It's likely going to be before February 9th. It could be sooner, and we'll see how it plays out. Now, I just want to go through my list here right now just to see if there's anything that I missed. But I do believe, I do believe that the Blazers will engage the Heat prior to training camp because they will, as a hopefully rational organization, see the writing on the wall here that there are no other offers that the Heat have enough assets to at least make it somewhat worth their while to not bring a guy to camp who does not want to be there, who is a franchise icon, and you do not want a situation like you have with Kevin Garnett in Minnesota where he doesn't feel welcome there anymore and you can't bring your franchise icon back for all the things that you want. The best move that the Miami Heat ever made was a bit of an accidental move, which is when Andy Ellisberg and Kobe Altman had a conversation. They were going through their rosters, and all of a sudden, Kobe said, hey, do you want Dwayne back? The Heat were not looking to bring Dwayne back. But that conversation is what has set the stage for Jimmy Butler, for this latest kind of renaissance for the Heat, for all of these runs, because the Heat found a way. They were fortunate, fortunate to find a way to make things right with their franchise icon. Will the Blazers get that fortunate if they screw with this situation any longer? I don't believe so. And based on my conversations with members of the Miami Heat, they don't believe so. So they are fine 
waiting this thing out. This is not us being homers. It's not. I think the Heat can win with the roster they have or if they get Dane Lillard. I think they're going to be competitive, and I think a lot of you are going to listen to our podcast either way. It's not about being homers. It's just NBA business that this thing needs to get done because it needs to get done for the Blazers. The Heat, they can wait this thing out. They like their team. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.